Hi everyone, my name is Karina Givargasov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first and only fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. Our tagline is for fashion, for beauty, for good. Our next Mission podcast, which is hosted by myself and Charlene Spiteri, the singer-songwriter of the band Texas, is someone that I had met at Inception of Mission, so some years ago. She is someone that really started to educate me about sustainability, what that really meant to be sustainable. She has had such an amazing career from working in the music industry to seeing the Olympics being hosted in New York City in 2012 and also working at the United Nations and throughout all of this being a single mother. She is someone I respect and admire. She makes me feel anything is possible if you put your mind to it. She is also humble and gracious. Please enjoy listening to our next guest, Annette Richardson. I'm delighted to be with you today. Thank really. you. We'll take that, won't we, Charlene? Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that. I mean, seriously, I've just decided that I'm just going to start calling you the fixer. <laughs> Literally, if we were if we were in some kind of like movie at the moment, you would just be known as the fixer, and I, I would literally I would be calling up if there was any problem of any type. I would just be calling Trudy and say, "Phone in it, the fixer, the fixer, get the fixer in on it," because she seems like she can like sort everything out. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, thank just you. thank you. Well, we look at all your achievements and everything you've done in it. My goodness, it's a lot. It's very busy. It's a lot. Yeah, it it's a is lot. a lot. It's although, incredible. Although it has a it has a a through line, and and that has been really you know helping others, particularly leaders, really sort of understand their the environment, understand bringing voices that they would not otherwise, you know, connect with. Yeah. And so that, that has been the fundamental through line and be able to, you know, partnership is about really exchange of ideas and thoughts and, you know, uh, practices obviously, but, but it's also making sure that people connect with each other and know uh, when you sort of reach the, the layers and the sort of the tra- stratospheres of, of leadership, you, you're isolated uh, most of the time. And so you need people who are much more in the, in the real world to be able to sort of, you know, round, round leaders. Right. It's funny because that's actually like very much like one of the questions that I've got written down here um, that when I was reading everything through, I mean, Basically, we're, I mean, we're in a pandemic, but in a really strange way, the world, like a lot of places are looking for their independence. They've been pulling apart, you know, me being Scottish as well, that's come back up into the fold. Um, How does that, you know, because you collaborate with all these leaders at the UN and everything, and, and with the world pulling apart, what does that, you know, how is that affecting um, you know, decisions that are being made? Well, I think, I think, uh, I think what's interesting in, in sort of the, the world of leadership is that, you know, there's a tendency to, for leaders to talk about among themselves, right? And, 
and often it's it's a challenge to find out you know uh, the pulse of the trends that are happening you know in the real world and it's complicated when you have to tackle issues of pandemics but also you know poverty that are layered on top of the pandemics or social justice absolutely you know people like me i think can contribute to a researching reading meeting conversing with everyday people and trying to find out exactly what is happening you know on the ground so it's 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 a it's a tough balance um I think probably the best leaders are those that are still very much connected to real real life, you know, everyday right. living. And, you know, a lot of them start that way. They come from the real world and then, you know, reach the stratospheres of leadership. And once they are on their way up, I think they lose touch with the real world and then the pain uh, that is happening, uh, you know, on the ground. And so... I so, I so I think in my role, that has been always kind of the through line to sort of tell those stories, you know, and, and keeping people really honest. Um, yeah. Especially in, in the, the world of social impact. Because I, th- I think, uh, you know, it's, I think we're much more, um, forgiving of those who are perhaps in the world of finance or the world of, you know, um, uh, you know, more transactional world, if you wish, uh, less forgiving for those who pretend to be, uh, you know, guiding us through the world of impact. Have you been surprised by, um, you know, how, the general public have reacted to others with, you know, there's been so, there's been so many people, you know, mucking in and putting out there and giving so much to people, you know, that, that aren't as fortunate as themselves. Um, during the pandemic, there's, there's been the whole sort of thing of, there's been some really great people have come out and done amazing things, you know, um, people that have nothing that have come out and done things and people that are wealthy have come out and done amazing things. Um, and it's quite amazing that it's like anything, it's almost like the, the dregs have floated to the surface and you've seen the the really not so nice people that have been hiding for a long time. Um, have you have, have you really noticed that in America as well? Yeah, I think that obviously, you know, when you have uh, uh, issues of that scales uh, that are very prevalent and, and really in, in our world, and I mean, we're all confined, we all live through uh, this, this tragic moment uh, in our society, it is definitely keeps people a bit on their toe. I think you ought to be living sort of as an hermit not to really understand what is happening around the world. Social media obviously has also created a space, right, where we can we can no longer ignore. Um, we can decide not to engage, but we cannot longer ignore what is really happening. I mean, when you know the George Floyd movement and other movements, for example, in America, um, where you see um, in real time cruel and brutal world. I, I think it's very hard to stay passive uh, 
you know, no matter where you are. Absolutely. And so uh, I also th- hope that, and that is the biggest challenge for me, that it is sustainable, that people will continue on um, activating, you know, uh, and advocating for uh, equity and justice, not not just, you know, during this pandemic, uh, but uh, for, for the foreseeable future and beyond. That, that is the hard work. Yeah. To sustain that sort of level of advocacy and engagement, political or otherwise, is very, very difficult. I think we've gone through so much trauma the last year, um, and it's affected everybody. Um, and I think that to make change um, and to change people's mindset and to have empathy often comes with having some emotion connected to it. And what happened last year happened. You've got to be, like you said, a hermit or, or pretty cold-hearted not to be affected by it. And one would hope that because it's been so dramatic that it's not going to be a fleeting moment and, and movement as it has been in the past because this has affected everybody, every human. Um, the, the COVID and Black Lives Matter and, and everything going on in America. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, um, just reading on all your past um, and your bio and everything and that you went into entertainment beforehand and then you worked on the Olympic bid in New York City in 2012 and then you went to work with the United Nations and um, sustainability is the kind of your your passion now how did you get to end up to this to be involved in and passionate about sustainability um yeah, it's been it's been an interesting professional, but also a very personal journey. I think that there are, I think, times in your lives that are catalytic uh, in changing uh, paths or rethinking uh, rethinking uh, your purpose. You know, I think the 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 work I spent the first sort of you know fifteen years of my professional career and working for, you know, chairmen and CEOs and, you know, corporate leaders. And, and the past 20, uh, focusing on, you know, impact leaders. Uh, but the, the, the nature of the work hasn't really changed much. Uh, the industry has changed. I started in the energy business and then went on to the, to the entertainment business and, um, and then really pivoted in 2003, uh, working um, for uh, Mayan Bloomberg's team to bring the Olympic Games to to New York City, and that was um, that was transformative in a sense that although it was a public-private partnership uh, project, uh, but it really opened a window onto um, you know the Olympic movement and and what it meant, uh, and created a path into um, to look at social impact in a different way. And, you know, realizing that the Olympic movement is about, uh, is about this opportunity for a uh, very unique group of people, you know, elite athletes, but, but others too, to really come together. There's a sort of harmony and I, you know, it, when we lost the bid to London, by the way, in 
<laughs> London. No comment. What can we say? You, 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 British ladies. We wrote this report on sports for peace and development in the context of, of an Olympic game. We started telling the stories of the nations of New York um, and how New York was an extraordinary city uh, that was sort of the embodiment of this of this Olympic movement, but also the UN. It just opened a path to to sort of move, you know, my skills to to do something different uh, and, and to, spend, to spend my time focusing on, on good and not just about, not on just prof, profit, but really think about um, good. And there was, was there sort of this, and, you know, is, is there this interconnection between good and profit? And... Um, and, and and why not if you're you know if you're profitable why not do good yeah so and and so that there began i think a different journey of thinking um uh, rethinking my life my professional life and how i wanted to spend you know when i was working 15 16 18 hours a day if i wanted to work just you know chasing profit or if I really wanted to work building something, you know, much more sustainable, if you wish, legacy in a way at my own level, that was much more imp impactful for, for, for myself, for my generation, uh, but also for the generations to come. And so um, the skills are still very, you know, are the same. I think you just grow into your talent and both of you are, you know, leveraging you know your your sort of professional and personal experiences but you just you just recalibre um or you recalibrate sorry excuse my french you recalibrate <laughs> a little bit as to you know what's the meaning of everything that you do every day how do you get up in the morning and you know think about how you can be transformative even at your own sort of level and um and that's what happened. And it took me on a path to meeting extraordinary people, working on extraordinary projects all over the world. Uh, so it was really global, um, you know, working with, uh, uh, for Archbishop Tutu and an extraordinary project on uh, healthcare, working with, you know, President Nelson Mandela on a, also a very Amazing. important health project. In, in Africa, uh, working with for Kofi Annan on a, a climate uh, climate mitigation project in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, working with you know, leaders in Dubai on on gender, and um, it, it's about helping make smart investments and smart decisions, smart partnerships. When you are committed to really be a philanthropist, or be a social investor, be a, you know, or even now today, be a business leader that really cares about the community, you know, its services, uh, and really helping them make the right connection at the right time, so that the impact is has longevity and is sustainable, but also that uh, uh, that they also built their own legacy that it's meaningful and not just, uh, you know, pledging. 
and that you can uh, work at scale. Because um, for me, that's really one of the most important thing around sustainability or purpose or social impact. There's so many terms today that we use. It's about, you know, can you really affect change or bring change at scale? I just wanted to pick up on your, um, <clears throat> when you're saying about working with leaders in Dubai and in Africa, um, obviously they're, in Dubai especially, they're very male-dominated um, arenas. How, how do you, like when you go and do these meetings, do you always see, does change happen? I mean, I, I would imagine it, it will take a long time, but do you see results eventually from from this? And um, yeah. Yes, and I think, and I think, you know, I always say, much easier to sort of, you know, preach to the choir. Much more difficult to actually, you know, or change mind or mindsets, right? And and I'm I'm much more on the sort of mindset changing sides of of impact. I've, you know, I've always felt that it was important to speak to those or to have. A real, you know, in-depth conversation and, and work and consulting for those who either uh, perhaps didn't see the value of, of engaging or those who uh, saw the value but were not really doing it uh, well or, you know, effectively um, or productively. That, to me, is change. I think that if you, if you, if you go out there and speak... Uh, to those who have already sort of drunk the Kool-Aid and understand exactly, you know, what the space is. I think it's, it, it, it doesn't really sort of provide this sort of level of satisfaction than really going into um, environments where, where there change is much needed, you know. And, and I remember when I started uh, working at the UN, which was sort of the early, very early stages of, of really having conversation, I mean, you know, um, or inviting the private sector to the UN to have, uh, to begin having conversation with them around global issues. I mean, you know, I've, I've always joked with my, my UN colleagues that, you know, we almost had to pay people. It was very difficult wow. to, um, to bring people to the UN. Um, which is this, you know, big sort of political organization, right? Global development organization. And a lot of business leaders were, were extremely skeptical as to, you know, the value that the UN could bring to, to their own business, right? To their bottom line. And, and fast forward, I think, 10 years later, and uh, you can't keep them away, right? That, that they are looking for engaging with UN leadership um, on so many levels. And, and, you know, a lot of companies now have been, you know, great resource partners and knowledge partners for the UN and UN agencies. I mean, you know, and that's the work we did. And, and we got a lot of, not just me, but, but the team I worked with um, got a lot of um, flack for how we were, how we were, trying to sort of bring these two worlds together. But I've always felt that, you know, the market has so much to give to global issues. I mean, the market dictates in so many ways behaviors, right? And 
through goods and products to uh, that the market is is really uh, has so much impact or can has can have so much impact on on how people think about issues um, about telling stories um, so you know you cannot change the world without really bringing the private sector to, to and others right and and celebrity advocate i mean we saw the rise of celebrity advocates and you know all these these voices have a huge 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 part to how um successful you know the un can be in many ways right i mean the un Absolutely. the un is just a, a body of uh you know massive organization that just shed lights on issues but it's really for the rest of us to really take on these issues and, 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 and mitigate them, eradicate them. Absolutely. I mean, definitely the UN is very forward thinking. It has been for, God, a long, long time down to even the, the, the way they have used, um, you know, people in the public eye and how to change people's minds and bring them into the UN and stuff like that. You know, years ago I did the, the concert, the that we linked up with New York and um, the UN in Europe and America. And it was amazing. It was an amazing thing that they did and, um, you know, had all these different musicians and bands come together to play together and everything. And it was, you know, it was an extraordinary, an extraordinary evening. And, um, you know, just the people that were there alone, you know, between, you know, amazing writers and, um, journalists and actors and musicians. It was just it was just the most phenomenal thing thing that I one of the most phenomenal things that I've been part of. Um and, and you know I really think the work they do is is amazing. Um so yeah, well done to you on that. Thank you. And to so many colleagues who just, you know, kept their heads down and and uh and did the work and and believed and really believed on um, the power of others, right? And not yes, just yes. the power of, of politicians. Or... Have you seen like a more, because um, I'm, I'm so curious, like those 10 years ago, how many women were doing what you were doing? Um, and have you seen that slowly start to grow, like women taking more of a global leadership role? Um, and, and having a seat at the table, I mean, all these private sectors and CMOs and CNOs, I imagine we all know they're probably predominantly male, um, but that must have been as well another challenge for you to, you know, in, in your career, going to these countries that are very male-dominated. Um, were there many in your in your team that were, were female working with you? And did, you know, what was it like? Yeah, and... and uh... It was uh, obviously, I think, the the sort of the the rise of of women in, you know, across sector, uh, absolutely, just wonderful to see, right? And will continue, will continue to be. But yes, I started, uh, you know, I started my career, um, you know, in the eighties, where women were secretaries, right, and um, couldn't even sort of see themselves right in positions yes. of, of leadership i mean there were a few uh you know in france for example we had simon Veil. we had a couple of two or three women who were 
sort of emerging in the world of media and the world of politics, but very few. There were just a, a really very, very small minority. It just, uh, it's just been remarkable to see, to watch over the last, you know, 40 years or so, this, um, this awakening of voices uh, through, I, I would say first, I think in the NGO, you know, in the NGO movement, uh, but also, you know, in the corporate world. And it was very, very tough. And then, you know, for me, I'm, I'm also a black woman, so not just a woman, right? So there's an added layer of, of challenges. Yeah. Exactly. And I always tell my daughter, who is a big sort of gender activist who, uh, on reproductive rights, that I, I just, things were not the same even 20 years ago. And um, that, that woman had a very challenging time uh, sort of electing themselves, right? And applying for positions of power, thinking that they were not worth it. So this this idea of know your value is is a real one, and I I think that I mean what has really you know I'm a baby boomer I'm going to be um, sixty years old this year and I I'm amazed by you know and I work with you know Gen Zs and and um, millennials uh, and. I'm just amazed at the bravery, right? The, the it's just this sort of like power that these generations have that we didn't have. We also, I think, um, as a boomer, those who really rose to the top had done so through so much challenges that they were exhausted when they got to the top. <laughs> And really sort of wanted um, others, you know, we're not very embracing or, of, of supporting one another, right? That the, the rise to the top had been so painful that there was sort of this, this universal thinking that, you know, sort of you're on your own, right? I've paid my dues and so therefore you have to pay your dues. And, and that was tough. Too, because I, I think that we missed, I think, a generational opportunity to bring other women into the fold. Um, and this notion of mentorship or, you know, um, empowerment really skipped a few generations before. I, I've experienced women in my, you know, if I look back 30 years ago, who were very mean and difficult with you know, forward other women. Oh, yeah. The worst things that have ever been said about me, yeah, the worst things that have ever been said about me have been by women rather than men. So it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, why could you be such a bitch? And it is extraordinary. I mean, we, we talk a talk, um, but to a certain point there is still that backstabbing. I mean, it definitely has disappeared with this new young generation that's come through yeah and they do so seem married. a lot kinder they're a lot kinder they're a lot more loving and they're a lot more ready to open their arms and help each other 
which is 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 breathtaking. I think it's I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm 53 years old, so um, at that age where yeah, when I was coming up, it was like every man for himself. And, you know, you would look for help or look for, you know, could you maybe give me a bit of advice? And there were women out there who really, you know, to help me and literally took me under the wing and worked alongside me as well um, and advised me. But, yeah, there was definitely, without a doubt, in, in, in sort of our generation, that real, you're on your own, pay your dues. That's right. That's right. And and I think it was our upbringing, I think. I think uh... Charlene, I think that, you know, I had parents and grandparents who, although my mother was, was a working, you know, was working, um, was a history professor for, for the longest time. And, and, but yet I think there were sort of roles and that you had to follow and you couldn't really express yourself and you had to stay quiet and, uh, you know, male dominance was very prevalent in the way we were, we were raised. And, and to some extent censored, right? And, yes. and sort of extremely frustrating and castrating in some in some in so many ways. I think my generation, I think I raised my daughter, um, who is a millennial now, uh, sort of, you know, you can be anything and you can do anything. And so and so they really sort of we gave them that uh, that validation, that sort of, you know. That, that authority to to really be out there and uh, yeah, you know I remember my daughter traveling um, the world as, at a very young age uh, you know and that was empowering that was something we didn't have or if I traveled I would travel with my parents but you know this idea of you know you're 14 and you're going to go to Japan and, and do things it's like you know but I think we raised a generation. We raised generations. Yeah, I think we definitely in a did. very different way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Do you feel freer as an older woman? Do you feel that you've given absolutely? Me, yeah, at, at the <laughs> amount of freedom I've found as I've got older is extraordinary, and, and I know <laughs> that Karina as well. She's a bit a bit younger, but yes, you know, you know, suddenly you become this like. You know, you think you're a rebel when you're young, and suddenly yes. you become this like punk. You're like, I don't care. I don't need any more friends. <laughs> That's right. That's I like right. them. That's just the way. And I just wondered, how has that changed the way you approach um, your work? Well, it's changed everything. I think one one of the thing is that I pretty much know who I am, right? And I know I know my value. And I know where I can make a difference and where I cannot. And so it eases the sort of, um, it eases the process of, of the work that you do, how you do it, who you do it with. I think that sort of eliminates all these sort of, oh my gosh, I need to take this project or that project or, you know, um, or, or it erases a lot of doubts as well. And that is liberating. That is so much freer than even, you know, 10 years ago. So that, that's really, for that, it's really, um, I, I love it. I also think, you know, that as your life gets really shorter, right, in, in, human, in human years, uh, much shorter, there is an urgency to 
learn and to observe that is very different. Um, and, and where you need to really get to from A to Z in a much more constructive way, much more productive. And so you filter things out really with almost, for me, very sharp laser. I'm not going to spend time spinning my wheel on something that I, I, whether intuitively or otherwise, know that it won't lead me to where I want to be. And so there's this clarity, you know, in, my, in, in our lives that really, it sharpens everything, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is, I, I, like you said, I don't need to make another friend, nor do I need to actually, you know, walk the way with people. And that means that, you know, if I want to spend an afternoon walking the street of New York's, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have, you know, tried to call five or six people to do it for, with me. That is over. If I want to do it, <laughs> I do it, you know, and I, 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 and if I want to call a friend and spend a day with a friend, I do that too. And so there's, there's a sense of urgency to live your life to the fullest. Absolutely. And not, not in the foolish, you know, in, in the, not in a foolish way. Yeah. But in a real meaningful sort of, I need to see this life through, you know, and really sort of, you know, enjoy it and appreciate it in a different way. So that clarity is just priceless. I, I wish, you know, uh, but I, you know, sometime I wish I had that clarity when I was, you know, 30 years old, but. Maybe you need that journey, right? You need the sort of 60 years to come to that place where hopefully you have the health to sort of propel you for the next 20 or so, you know. But I think mentally, psychologically, emotionally, you're so much more mature, you know, and grounded and just solid that, um, yeah, I, I, you know, the third chapter and maybe the fourth, uh, but the third chapter is definitely really exciting, really, really exciting. Totally agree. Yeah, and uh, my life started a little differently because I lost my husband at the age of 20, 25, 26. Oh, my God. So life, life. That must change you forever. Was a bit of in re yes, was a bit of in reverse, right? Um, so I started life really it's sort of a really difficult ground and then as it went on and i was able to sort of survive right because i think that process of grieving is sort of never never really ends that you sort of find the exuberance of living in my later years right some people find it much earlier in life but i think in my in in my life because i started you know with such a in trauma and then you know had to raise my daughter you know as a single mother at the age of of, of 24 25 and then i spent you know the, the 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 next 15 18 years sort of raising a kid and working and you know building a career that that was a blur. That was really sort of very blurry. 
And now I see life. So it's really, really fascinating. And, and then as a grandmother, because my daughter has, has a little girl, as a grandmother now, I oh, just, wow. the, legacy, the legacy is much becomes much more important. You know, what do you yes. leave? Yes. What is the leave behind? What is your leave behind? You know? What's been the most exciting project you've worked on, which I'm sure that's been the most challenging, perhaps? And do you miss anything from your past, like any of your past careers? Is there parts of that that you missed that you used to do that you don't do anymore that doesn't apply now? I mean, the travel must have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how I met, I said to Charlene, that's how I met you. You sent me a text on a rainy Sunday morning and you're yeah. terrific. Come to Botswana. When it comes to Botswana, Not. I was like, I'm packing yeah. now. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> she did. She did. She packed. I think like five know. days later, at the airport that's right amazing um it's the only way to do things sometimes yeah yeah I, I you know no regrets about anything because i think that you know every challenge is every challenge every sort of pain and growth were worth it i think i i don't know i don't i don't hang on to things or projects um, I don't because, you know, I'm there in the moment and they're great. And in the moment I realize maybe I should have done this, maybe, you know, but once it's gone, it's gone, right? It, it has, it has to, yeah, I don't hang up to, I don't hang up to places. I don't hang up to, to projects. I don't hang up to, to people either. That's totally get and, that. and part of it. Part of it is because I've lost so much so early in my life that this idea of hanging on to things, right, is sort of so superficial, right? It's so yes, yes. why? And so, yeah, I, I realize that you can have everything and then one day and then nothing the next, right? And so, so I think what's most important is to be able to do the best that you can in the moment right in the sort of in the yes, moment yes looking back there's some phenomenal project that we did over the years you know the project for example with with for archbishop tutu the called the pella Pepa train i mean that was an incredible project it just it just changed the life of millions of people millions of people but but everything has a, a beginning and an end, I think, you know, and I think that contributions of people who worked on the project, not just me, but, you know, the team, just phenomenal. Like we can look back on it and really be proud of, of, of what we did. And, and yeah. uh, could we have done better? I'm sure. Uh, you know, could we have, you know, yes, but I think that we were, we we gave it our all as we, you know, as we did it. And I'm sure you do, you, you two are in the same sort of space. You give it your all, right? And, um, and you have to let it live and be, mm. um, you know. And, 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 and I've always also, uh, one thing that has been consistent in my life is that I've always been in any project for the journey until the journey is no longer enjoyable, right? And so I've always been able to walk away 
you know, and say, you know, it doesn't fill me up anymore. It doesn't satisfy me. Um, you know, I need to sort of walk away and move on, right? That the journey is not over. So I've never hang on to things. And people along the way have said, oh, you're crazy. You're leaving this job for nothing or you're leaving this for... And I've always trusted that the journey was going to bring me something, you know, much more, uh, sometimes much bigger, much more interesting. And it has, and it has. Well, there's a great skill in knowing when to get out. Yeah. There is a great skill in knowing when to step away from something and when to move on. Um, and, you know, some people, you know, kill legacies in, in staying too long or whatever it is. So, you know, it's it's really important to know when to move on. I think people get nervous. And I think women are a lot better at moving on than, than, than men sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Because I think we're intuitively can really sort of, we're very sort of emotional being, right? I mean, you know, just we're built that way, and and uh, and I think we can intuitively we feel unhappy very, you know, we can feel unhappy very quickly. And I think in order to continue and plow in and and survive, I think we need to keep on moving for sure. I think it's brave for you to do that to just change and to and to pivot and it's it's very brave a lot of people can't do that but it's exciting it's brave just to kind of put yourself out there and like okay I'm going to stop next what I'm going to do I'm going to do something next that's going to fulfill you and 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 give back something to you and probably that's why you have all this energy when you go into different things because it's brand new, like clean slate. That's I right. Really... It's always, yes. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're right. It's always clean slate. Yes. Very that's much. A real, so. That's an incredible skill to have. I love, I love how Karina's saying that when she's the woman that just gave up everything and decided to start a magazine. That, yeah. And that, and like, I, you know, I'm like listening to you saying that, KG, and you're like, you're like yeah, you know, that's just, and I'm thinking, that's exactly But that's what I'm saying, because I can really relate to it. A lot of the next thing I can really relate to, because I just had this vision of the cliffs of Dover, because that's how I felt jumping when I started Mission. It's, um, it's I, I can really relate to that. It's, if it doesn't fulfill you and it makes you unhappy, why spend that, that in that, doing that for the next five, ten years? And yeah, I, I think totally we, agree. we've all experienced loss um, ourselves, yes, personal yes. tragedies. And I think you, you think, well, personally, I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to know when I'm in my 80s, 90s, when I get that far, reflect on things I've done and not have regrets. Gosh, I wish I tried this and gosh, I wish I tried that. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Because you've got to give it your all. Otherwise, I think deep down at the end, you'll be disappointed that you didn't. Yes, and, 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 you know, there are projects, I mean, realizing that there are projects that are going to fail, right? Uh, so I think not being afraid of failure either. That right? is so important. It's also key and not really sort of uh, being able to trust, trust in that journey. And, and uh, yeah, that, that I think, you know, whatever you encounter is, uh, is, is the good and the bad, right? The negative or the positive, I think, is, is part of the growth as well. So acknowledging that, uh, and I know that when we're in the midst of it, in the midst of 
pain and difficulty and frustrations and really, you know, headaches. And uh, it's really difficult to see the other side, but sort of remembering, I remembering that on the other side, there is something much greater, much more fulfilling, I think, can really help. I, 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 gave a, uh, I gave a talk not too long ago, and I even, you know, in the talk, I was also talking about those who were the negative forces who came my way, which is either, you know, the naysayers or those who say, you know, you'll never be able, you'll never be successful or you never. And I just thought, you know, if, if I had believed them, you know, it would have paralyzed a lot of the work, you know, it would have paralyzed in many ways, right? And so um, it, it's also part of the journey is sort of to yes. combat, to combat those forces as well. Absolutely. Uh, and to have the strength to do that. I think sometimes people are a little bit are, are scared to be are scared to be scared. But you know, sometimes you to, you've got to take these chances and say, well, you know, I'm I'm day in day out doing this, and that's not making me happy. And I think you do have to have that attitude sometimes of like, okay, well, if it doesn't work, I'll do something else. I'll move on to something else. And I think I think a lot of the fear as well is people are tied to families and you know putting bread on the table and everything and they're terrified to change it up and I think that's one of the really good things that's happened with the the pandemic is a lot of people have kind of been forced to really change stuff up because and gone down a different route because they've had to because they've lost their jobs or because their whole lifestyle has changed and they've really had to make a lot of different decisions um because of it yeah yeah absolutely I think we're gonna have to Thank you. Now it's, it's it's fifty minutes. We could talk and talk and talk. I have got a, I've got actually about another fifteen questions, but I'm not allowed. I think <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm like, what am I? And literally, like, I mean, I mean, do you know? I was really I was laughing because when I went through it, I couldn't believe. I was like, oh my god, she was at Vivendi Universal because that was my record company for twenty seven years. Oh really? Yeah, oh, really? I was signed. I was signed to Universal for twenty-seven years of my career. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, you were ah. It was like saw that name coming up. Yes, I was working for uh, Jean-Marie Messier. Ah, okay. Chairman exactly and CEO of uh, yes. Universal, Vivendi Universal. My goodness, what a trajectory, Annette, Annette, you've had. It's amazing, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you phenomenal breathtaking and you're just like you know you, you just just your manner everything about you is just fantastic i could just listen to you talk it's like oh, yeah okay i feel very calm i feel yes, very calm yes. and at ease wonderful thank you thank you <laughs> well annette we're gonna have to have you back because i think i'd honestly think yes. this is to this is only part one because i've uh, my questions can wait for the next time <laughs> <laughs> with great pleasure great it pleasure. was just fantastic so so, so interesting what a life you you know you, your careers and taking you to meet different world leaders and different cultures and so it's remarkable absolutely remarkable thank you for always listening to our podcasts i really love doing them as i learned so much about such incredible individual human beings Our next guest, we're going back to the start. I thought it'd be a good idea to circle back and see what my co-host was up to the most of 2020. 
The simple fact being, she was working and preparing to launch another Texas album. Please tune in for our next episode with my co-host Charlene Spiteri. Take care everyone. There seems a little glimmer of hope now emerging and spring hopefully is going to be here very soon. All the best. Bye for now.